to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Do you experience a lot of anxiety? Does your anxiety cause you to avoid certain things? Do you struggle to know what to do when your anxiety spikes? If you answered yes to any of those questions, today's show is for you. I'm talking to Dr. Wendy Suzuki, a neuroscientist and professor of neuroscience and psychology at New York University. One of her areas of research interest is brain plasticity. Through her research, she's uncovered a lot of information about anxiety and how to manage it. Her first book was called Healthy Brain, Happy Life, and it focused on how exercise can improve our brains. Today, we're talking about her new book, Good Anxiety. Some of the things we talk about are why we feel anxiety, the exact steps you can take to manage those anxious feelings, and the things you might want to avoid because they're likely to make your anxiety worse. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Dr. Suzuki's strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Dr. Wendy Suzuki on how to harness the power of anxiety so you can grow mentally stronger. Dr. Wendy Suzuki, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled that you wrote this book, Good Anxiety. There's so many misconceptions about anxiety. So maybe we can start there. Can you explain about why anxiety is so misunderstood and what we tend to misunderstand about it? Yeah. So um, the subtitle of my book is Harnessing the Power of the Most Misunderstood Emotion. And I think it's misunderstood because our collective anxiety levels are just so high the, the knee-jerk response is, I just want to get rid of it. I don't want it anymore. It just get it out of my life. And that is totally understandable. And this is a misunderstanding because at its core, uh, evolutionarily, anxiety and that underlying physiological stress response is protective for us. It's actually critical for our survival. So the idea of the book is, is really asking readers to change your mindset about anxiety. First, realize it is useful for us and come in and let me show you how you can actually harness this power of this very powerful emotion. We all agree it's powerful. We just don't agree on whether we want it or not. Um, How can we harness the power of that emotion to actually make our lives better, more productive, um, and less stressful in the end? And Yes. In reading the title of your book, my first thought, even as a therapist is, yeah, but I don't want to harness my anxiety. I don't want to learn how to live with it. I want to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there is a difference between healthy anxiety and an anxiety disorder. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So anxiety, the emotion of anxiety um, exists on a very, very, very wide spectrum. And at the highest end of that spectrum is clinical anxiety. This is debilitating anxiety, anxiety that that prevents you from doing the things that you need to do to live in your life, to have relationships, to, to be able to work, to be able to interact with the world. And that's when obviously you need to go see a professional about this. But uh, this book was actually written for everybody else that is 
just lower and all the way lower um, on that scale of anxiety, which I call everyday anxiety. And this is particularly relevant today because with the pandemic and, and um, social media and the news feeds that are so scary, um, our collective societal anxiety level overall has gone up so much that we all need better ways to think about and approach everyday anxiety. I think so too. As a therapist, people will say to me, well, is it depression? Is that the number one reason why people come to see you? It's not. It's anxiety. Sometimes it's anxiety disorders. Sometimes mm -hmm. people have been through trauma. Sometimes mm -hmm. people have a phobia. But other times it's just this general anxiety that people are experiencing and they just yeah. don't know what to do with it. Or yeah. they've developed some really unhealthy coping skills to yeah. manage their anxiety. What do you see in terms of the unhealthy ways that we sometimes cope with anxiety? Well, I think um, uh, some of the most common are easy to do alcohol. Let's just have a little calming drink afterwards. Food. Uh, those comfort foods can be immediately comforting, but in the long run can shift your emotional balance to actually make those feelings of anxiety worse over the long term. Um, turning to other, other emotions, anger, lashing out, uh, our negative, um, negative coping strategies. Um, you know, drug, I, I talked about alcohol, which is, it was a legal drug. Um, illegal drugs uh, can also be used to, to quell feelings of anxiety. And, and fortunately, those drugs can be addictive and, and again, a, along the long term, not healthy. So they are, um, I think it requires, and, and you'll be able to speak uh, uh, very uh, eloquently to this, it requires a um, um, self-awareness and, and just being able to realize what, what you are doing and um, being able to identify, is this really helping me uh, on the long term before you can start to say, okay, let me find other ways. It's not like these are the only coping mechanisms. What are the positive coping mechanisms and coping mechanisms, hopefully based in science, that we can use to help decrease those uncomfortable feelings of anxiety? And I want to certainly jump into those next. But before yeah. we do, maybe we should cover what is anxiety and how do people yeah. know when they have it? Okay. So my simple definition of anxiety is that feeling of fear or worry that typically accompanies an uncertain situation. So from that simple definition, you can understand why in, in our times, everybody um, with the, right now the rise of, of the Omicron var variant, so uncertain. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know whether I'm protected or not. Uh, huge levels of uncertainty that then cascade into, well, because I don't know that, I don't know about my work, I don't know about my kids and their schools. And we are just surrounded by by this uncertainty that that brings up these feelings of of anxiety. So that is that is my simple definition of anxiety. And so what happens if you start feeling these feelings or as you continue to feel these feelings in some cases? And um uh, my number one go-to for um, techniques that we can decrease our feelings of anxiety is one that is also equally old evolutionarily, which is breath work, deep breathing. How is this old? Well, number one, um, 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 monks and meditators have been using deep breath work for thousands of years. Um, to be able to calm their minds, to get into meditation. And why are they doing that? Well, this is the number one piece of 
neuroscience information that I want everybody to know who's dealing with anxiety. So anxiety activates the fight or flight response in us. That is part of our nervous system um, controlled by the sympathetic nervous system. Everybody knows fight or flight. They, they know that that is our stress response. Did you know that, the, that every single one of us has an equal and opposite part of our nervous system called the rest and digest or de-stressing part of our nervous system? And that is what the deep breathing is activating, that parasympathetic nervous system. That, uh, what does it do? It counteracts our fight or flight. Fight or flight increases uh, heart rate, increases respiration, and shunts blood from our digestive and reproductive organs out to our muscles so we can run away or fight. The um, rest and digest part of our nervous system, that de-stressing part, decreases our heart rate decreases our respiration rate and shunts blood from our muscles to our digestion and reproductive organs so we can digest our food, we can uh, um, procreate uh, in a healthy way. And uh, it's, it is that weekend, you know, long meals, good, good, good food kind of uh, um, uh, situation that this brings us into. And the number one way that you can increase that stimulation of that rest and digest part of your nervous system is to breathe deeply. You have complete control over how you breathe and breathing deeply and long and, and, um, um, and long duration really helps. My specific recommendation is for a four part boxed breathing approach. Why? Because it's easy to remember, easy to do. What is it? It is breathing deeply, inhaling, um, on an inhale for four counts, hold it at the top for four counts, exhale deeply for four counts, and hold it at the bottom for four counts. It's a box. There's four corners. Uh, each one has four four parts, and you inhale, hold, de- exhale, hold. You can do it. Anybody can do it. You can practice it, um, and it really does help decrease that feeling of stress, worry, fight or flight. I like that because we know that our brain and our bodies are so deeply connected. When we get nervous or worried about something, our heart rate increases, we get stressed out. I get really jumpy. I'll hear a noise in the other room and I'll yeah. jump about four feet. Yes. And and until I calm my body down, it's hard to tell my brain, hey, don't worry about that. So these yeah. little strategies that we can do in the moment to calm yeah. our bodies and our brains make a huge difference. Absolutely. So I like that. I like that breathing exercise. It's something simple. It only takes a minute. You can do it anywhere, whether you're at yeah. the office, you're at home, you're out in yeah. public. What about exercise? I know you're yeah. big on exercise. You did a right. TED Talk on this. You talked yeah. about it in your first book. Can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit about why exercise is so good for anxiety? Yeah, sure. So exercise is doing something um, equally wonderful. And I use this as my number two because the breathing, um, I like to say that you can do the breathing even in the middle of an anxiety-provoking conversation when that anxiety-provoking person is talking to you. You can do the breathing and nobody even knows. So it's it's so um, uh, uh, flexible. You can use it anytime. Exercise is also incredibly powerful because we know from neuroscience research, so I'm a neuroscientist and uh, a a big part of my research effort has been studying the effects of physical activity on the brain. And here's what happens. Every single time you move your body, you are releasing a whole bunch of different neurochemicals. I like to give the image of every time you move your body, it's like giving your bath giving your brain a wonderful bubble bath of neurochemicals. And those neurochemicals include serotonin, dopamine, 
endorphins, which is the natural um, kind of pain reliever, noradrenaline. All of these things are uh, feel-good neurotransmitters that will make you feel rewarded. They'll make you feel happy. And what we know from studies that I've done in my lab is that uh, even one single bout of movement can decrease those feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, feelings of hostility significantly. So um, while it's a little bit less flexible, you can't go out and go for a run in the middle of an anxiety-provoking situation. We all know those situations in our lives that, that have habitually given us higher levels of anxiety. So to prepare for those situations, you can absolutely go out and take a power walk, uh, walk up the stairs, uh, just move your body, dance in the kitchen if if nobody, when nobody's watching. All of these things are going to give you that wonderful neurochemical bubble bath that will make your anxiety levels decrease. Oh, a neurochemical bubble bath for your brain. I like that. Yes. What about what about weightlifting? I know you talk a lot mm-hmm. about cardio, but I've also yes. read that weightlifting can be really good for anxiety. Yes, weightlifting weightlifting has been shown to uh, um, make you feel better about lots of lots of things, not just about your anxiety, but uh, having um, difficult conversations. You're more likely to be able to do that. Um, The thing is that in terms of the neuroscience of exercise and linking exercise to different mood states, aerobic exercise has simply been studied much, much more consistently. So there's overall less studies on the effects of weight training. Um, um, And the studies that are there, they, they tend to be a little bit mixed. Yes, some studies do show a significant effect on anxiety, uh, but other studies haven't shown the effect. And, and that could be that we haven't found that sweet spot of what is that, that best kind of um, weight, weight training uh, regimen. But what I like to say is that you don't have to wait for the studies to come out. Go ahead and try it. Try some weight training and you don't have to do, you know, 50 pounds, do one, one pound weights and, and notice how it does on your body. There's so much uh, a possibility here for self-experimentation with walking, with, with um, uh, weight training uh, and with that breath work. So go out and try it for yourselves. And that, that is who you need to uh, have the effect on yourself. So go ahead and, and, and find your, parti- your perfect prescription. That's one of the things I appreciated about your book is it's filled with so many strategies and ideas that yeah. all of us can experiment with to figure out oh, what works you. best for us. Yes. Another one that you talk about is spending time in nature. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, nature and being outside and being able to breathe that fresh air uh, has been shown in some in some studies to decrease um, anxiety levels, increase feelings of well-being. Um, in Japan, there's a, a phenomenon known as forest bathing, which is just going out and appreciating uh, uh, the the ambiance of that forest. And uh, it's true that that gives us a, a deep appreciation of um, of nature. And so that is a simple, easy way. I haven't lived in Manhattan, so it's harder to find nature <laughs> there. But most of us live in places where there are parks nearby. I do have Central Park, but it's a little bit a little bit of a walk. Um, uh, but go out, uh, enjoy that. I would add on to not exactly the same, but but you know, uh, interacting uh, with with other 
biological beings, pets, and other people is also something that we know is um, we are we are evolutionarily uh, evolved to want that social interaction. So that's another way, um, uh, especially pets. That that unconditional love that you get from your pets is a wonderful quick fix to um, to to decrease your anxiety and get that kind of endorphin high. Uh, um, and, and oxytocin high, I meant to say. And you talk a bit about physical touch and the importance of that. It's okay sometimes to ask somebody for a hug, but of course, yeah. during during COVID, a lot of people have really have really missed that. But can yeah. you talk a little bit about how important physical touch is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it turns out that the somatosensory system and the feeling of touch is one of our uh, lesser understood senses. But some of the most recent research uh, has shown how important that is, uh, not only how it works, but how it does activate our our sense of connection with each other. And um, other studies have shown that that, um, massage, one of my favorite things to do, can't do it so much during the pandemic, but getting a massage is so relaxing and does decrease anxiety, depression levels, makes you feel so relaxed and 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 really activating that rest and digest part of the nervous system in a beautiful way. So that is a wonderful um, strategy that you can use. And and if you can't go get out and uh, go get a massage, you know, train your friend, your your partner, uh, your roommate. <laughs> to, to uh, 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 in, in a safe way, um, uh, give mutual, you know, uh, neck massages that can be so relaxing as well. So some of the strategies you talk about are things we can do preventative. We can do exercise. Yes. We, could, mm-hmm. we could go get a regular massage. Yeah. Sometimes we have specific things that we're worried about for a time period in our yeah. lives. We might be right. worried about money during the pandemic. Sure. So another thing that you talk about in your book is very specific things. Like you said, if you're worried about money, maybe you actually donate some money to a cause that helps yeah. you put put your financial problems in perspective. Right, right. Absolutely. And that works on lots of different levels. It helps you uh, put things into perspective. Um, uh, neuroscience studies have shown that the act of being, of giving money away, of being uh, uh, empathetic in that way. Um, actually increases dopamine levels in the brain. It is a big high. And and um, I can't remember whether it was this book or the last book. Um, so many different ways that you can give yourself this high. Give, give it a try. See how it makes you feel. If you, for example, um, pay for the coffee of the next person in line, stranger in line, you don't even have to say that you did it. Say, you know, do this anonymously. Um, tape some money to the bottom of uh, of the uh, of the playground um, at 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 the park so that uh, some kid gets 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 a fun surprise or you know tape a dollar bill or something like that um, so many so many different ways that you can you can um, um, bring a smile to somebody else um, and also getting back to you know the the money issue is is so important. Um, donating money, realizing it makes you realize that actually I can donate this $10 or $15 to the food bank for people that have nothing in their in their cabinets, in their cupboards right now. Or if you're worried about health, you know, donate to um uh donate to a a, a study. Uh and that makes you appreciate that I don't have a disease right now, but I can do something to help somebody else that has 
whatever disease you want to uh, deal with, whether it's COVID or cancer or any of the other diseases that, that scientists are, are working right now to try and, um, uh, try and cure. So um, it, it really is this very simple thing that you can do to shift your immediate mindset on whatever you're worrying about right now and make you appreciate everything that you have. I like that idea because it's kind of the last thing on our list of what we would normally think to do. When we're worried about something, we tend to ruminate. We just keep yeah. rehashing it, thinking, I can't do anything about this. This is awful. But even if you can't change your situation, sometimes you can go out and change somebody else's situation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I appreciated that you talked a little bit about your personal experience with losing yeah. your brother and how the kind of changes that that created for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So that was really um, the uh, very sad experience in my life that that shaped this book in a really profound way. Um, the book was written before the pandemic, and um, I, I always wanted to put a positive spin on on anxiety, good anxiety. So it, we had that that concept before, but in the middle of researching anxiety and and um, uh, doing all the research that we did for the book. Um, uh, this tragedy happened to myself and my family is my younger brother um, um, suddenly passed away completely unexpectedly of a, a heart attack. And it, it was truly the most shockingly devastating thing that ever happened to me. And of course, I had to put the book on hold and I um, had to recover. And I used all my, my own you know, approaches to recover daily morning meditation, daily exercise, connecting with friends and especially those friends and, 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 and the, the, you know, the, the warmth that they, um, and, and, and support that they showed me really got me through. Um, but, but it takes a while. And, and it, it was, I don't know, six, eight months, uh, before I felt like I, I had the strength to go back to, to writing a book on, on anxiety when I was dealing with, with great grief. But as I was, I was coming out of this, of this state of grief, um, I, I was working out one day and the, the online trainer said something that completely shifted this book. And I thank her to this day for that, for that message on that particular day. It was a workout and she was, you know, encouraging us to, to really push hard because she said, with great pain comes great wisdom. And of course she was saying it in the context of, of, pushing yourself in it and working hard and giving that yourself that pain from a really good workout. But she, she, she linked it to wisdom. And I thought, Oh my God, that, that is what I am experiencing. Um, that's what I'm starting to realize that with this great pain that came with this death of my family came this wisdom of how lucky I am to be here, how lucky I am to have the family members that are still here, how lucky I am to have my friends that gave me such great support. And did I know that before that, you know, yeah, I was lucky to be alive. Yeah. But it, it really, I, I likened it in the book to Dorothy coming out uh, of her black and white Kansas to the color of Oz. And how did it change my approach to the book? It created in my mind a, a, realization that with pain comes wisdom. What is that wisdom? And then turning back to anxiety. Anxiety isn't the same as deep grief that comes with a death uh, of somebody that you love, 
but there is pain (laughs) that comes with anxiety. And I ask myself, what wisdom, what gifts could come from that pain? And that's what changed this book. Because I think the secret sauce of this book is the gifts or superpowers that I ended up focusing on um, in this book that come from anxiety. I never would have pushed. I, I needed gifts to come out of pain and anxiety. I needed to um, uh, gnaw on that when I was coming out of that. And the result was um, the gifts or superpowers of anxiety that turned into this book, Good Anxiety. Thank you for sharing all of that. Because I do know in my personal life that good things can come out of something really bad. Yeah. One of my questions, though, is when we go through bad times, how do we not then spend the rest of our lives worrying that something bad is going to happen again? So, for yeah. instance, I, I lost my first husband to a heart attack at the age of 26. Oh, my gosh. And I lost my, lost my mother. I lost a foster child. I lost my father-in-law kind of in this short span of time. Yeah. Once you go through tough times, how do you then not think, just wait for the next shoe to drop? I see a lot of people in my therapy office who've gone through a bunch of bad times too. And they're just kind of like, oh, worrying about what's going to happen next. What's your best tip or strategy for somebody who says, yeah, I went through tough times and I learned from it, but I don't ever want to go through it again. Mm -hmm. And they find themselves worrying about what's going to happen next. Yeah. So, I mean, I I like to take a pragmatic approach. Of course, bad things are going to happen again. Mm -hmm. It, It will happen to you and everybody else. And, um, I, I like to um, focus on, you know, just enjoying uh, the the moments when you don't have bad times. What if we focus on that? Uh, there's a concept that I uh, that I really stress in the book, which is the negative contrast effect. It is a um, phenomenon in psychology that we all have experienced in one form or another, even if you haven't called it the negative contrast effect. It is the idea that sweet and good times are sweeter and even better because they are contrasted with those crappy times that, you know, you lost your job and you were demoted or or all these bad things happened. But, But that helps make the good times even better. So take advantage of that. Don't just focus on the bad times because we're all going to go go through that and 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 you you have to survive and hopefully later you can, you know, uh, uh learn from that as I just uh, described in my story. But use that as the contrast to just say, "Ah, oh, you know, there's nothing bad happening today. I myself just got kicked off my flight. I can't get home to New York City and I'm stuck in California. Being stuck in California isn't so bad." <laughs> but um you know, there are so many good things. And I I find myself using that negative contrast effect to my advantage, because we all need good things to help us with. And and that really has has been something that I've leaned on um, for for many years. And I find the relief from pain sometimes is better than if we just had something, but we never had a painful experience. So for example, if you drink a glass of cold lemonade, that's great. But if you just mowed the lawn on a really hot day, that cold lemonade is going to taste way better than if you exactly. just sat and you drank it on the couch. So to know that when we get through tough times, it makes the good times feel all that much sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to think about it. Love it. So for somebody who says, you know, I'm always kind of an anxious person, uh, I maybe I'm struggling more right now than than usual. Yeah. What would be your parting words of wisdom for somebody about uh, how they can 
embrace a little more anxiety and turn it into a superpower? Yeah. So I would say that um, uh, if you can learn to lean in to that anxiety and use all the strategies in my book to turn the volume down so it's not so you know all-encompassing, but you can learn to learn from your anxiety. Because what is anxiety? It is a warning signal. Should you be worried about the pandemic? Yes, you sh- you should. I, nobody says, oh, don't don't worry at all. Um, but put it into perspective and let it be uh, this wonderful, helpful warning signal, rather than, rather than the thing that is just dragging you down every single day. And when you get into that mindset, that's when you can start to take advantage of some of these um, gifts or superpowers of anxiety that include productivity and empathy and creativity. And um, there are good things that come out of anxiety. Anxiety can be good. And so that's what I lead people through in this book. And that's what I hope that they can get from um, all my readers can get from this book, a new way to approach and be able to take advantage of the gifts and superpowers that come from this emotion of anxiety. Well, thank you so much for your book, because I do find that a lot of people in my own life, but people in my therapy office too, a lot of our suffering comes from our desire to avoid anxiety at any length. And the more that we run around and try to avoid feeling it, often the worse we feel. If we can just embrace it a little bit, learn how to manage it in a healthy way and figure out some better coping strategies, we'll all be better off. So thank you so much for your book. I hope that all of our listeners go pick up a copy of Good Anxiety. Thank you so much. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Dr. Suzuki's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Dr. Suzuki's strategies that I highly recommend. Number one, practice box breathing. Breathing exercises can be really effective ways to calm both your brain and your body. And Dr. Suzuki recommends something called box breathing. A quick internet search can pull up some instructional videos for you, but it's actually pretty simple. It works like this. Take a slow, deep breath and count to four as you feel the air filling your lungs. Hold it as you slowly count to four again. Then slowly breathe out of your mouth as you count to four. Do this four times. It's called box breathing because each thing happens in fours, similar to the way that there are four corners to a box. This quick and easy breathing exercise can help you keep your anxiety in check when you're feeling stressed out or overwhelmed. And number two, exercise. We know exercise is good for your physical health, but there's a lot of research that shows it can be good for your mental health too. And Dr. Suzuki says both aerobic activity and strength training can be effective strategies for managing anxiety. I've heard from a lot of people in my therapy office who say exercise helped them feel a lot better. One person with panic attacks said running helped him get used to the physical symptoms that he had when he had a panic attack, like a rapid heartbeat. And then the symptoms didn't feel so scary anymore. Another person I worked with said she'd go for a fast walk when she was anxious. She used to just pace around the room, but she found that increased her anxiety. But going for a power walk around her neighborhood helped her burn off her nervous energy in a way that helped her feel better. Getting exercise on a regular basis can help you manage your anxiety overall. But you can also use it when your anxiety spikes as a coping skill to help you manage those uncomfortable feelings. And number three, remember the negative contrast effect. 
Dr. Suzuki talked about how hard times can make us appreciate the good times even more. I agree. The relief from pain often feels better than no pain at all. Doing something hard or going through something hard can sometimes make you enjoy life even more on the other side. That's not to say that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Sometimes people emerge from traumatic experiences with deep emotional wounds that make it hard to enjoy life again. But there are hard times and tough challenges that can ultimately make you feel happier. Maybe you can relate to this, like when you've had a cold or some sort of painful health issue. Once those things were resolved, you might have suddenly appreciated the relief from pain. Prior to that, you might have taken feeling okay for granted. But having a problem reminded you how good it feels to feel okay. Emotional pain can be the same. When you get some relief, you might suddenly appreciate feeling okay more than ever before. Keep that in mind and it might help you get through those tough times a little easier. So those are three of Dr. Suzuki's strategies that I highly recommend. Practice box breathing, get some exercise, and remember the negative contrast effect. If you want to hear more of Dr. Suzuki's tips for managing anxiety, check out her latest book, Good Anxiety. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.